the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, the lawyer asks a question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he asked this question to test Jesus. He wasn't really earnestly seeking an answer. He asked as a test. We know he was testing Jesus because St. Luke says so in the text, and also because a New Testament lawyer wouldn't ask that question. A New Testament lawyer was an expert in the law of Moses, and it was his job to know what you were supposed to do to inherit eternal life. He asked Jesus in lawyerly fashion the question in order to see if Jesus would give the right answer. And if he gave the right answer or the wrong answer, he'd have a chance to sort of criticize or, or attack. In response, Jesus asked the lawyer, well, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer was an expert, and Jesus phrased the question as though he was consulting this lawyer in his area of expertise. And the lawyer gives, in response, this thing we call the summary of the law. We have it every week in our liturgy at the beginning. You shall love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the parties in the New Testament debate, uh, when when we're reading the New Testament and and, and there's a debate about what the law means, everyone agrees that these two commandments sum up the law. And they are two specific Old Testament Bible verses. Deuteronomy 8.5 and Leviticus 18 or 19.18. Together they sum up the love for God which Deuteronomy 5 or Deuteronomy 6 uh, commands and love for neighbor which Leviticus 19 commands sum up the meaning of the law of Moses. So since there's agreement, this guy gives Jesus the answer that Jesus would agree, and he says, okay, well, so do this. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you'll live. But the lawyer was not looking for spiritual direction. He was testing Jesus. So the test continued. The question was, who is my neighbor? Though this is a test, though the lawyer didn't really want an answer or wanted Jesus to give the wrong answer, it's not an unreasonable question. The full text, Leviticus 19.8, where we get the commandment to love neighbor, the full text reads this way. Quote, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the text of the commandment specifically refers to the children of your people. Therefore, the question, who is my neighbor, could also be translated, who are my people? And the Old Testament seems to encourage a distinction between God's people and the enemies of God's people. For example, Psalm 139 says, quote, Do not I hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do not I loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. 
The lawyers and the, the person who is described as a lawyer is likely the same kind of person who is described as a scribe in other New Testament passages. And they were sort of matched up with the Pharisees as sort of guardians of the orthodoxy of New Testament religion. And these people saw God's people, they defined God's people as those who were zealous to follow the law of Moses, the Torah. So God's people are those who are zealous for the Torah, and the enemies of God's people then presumably are those who are not zealous for the Torah. And so, presumably, these enemies could be excluded from the neighbors that they were required to love. This is the legal question that the lawyer is aiming at in his debate with Jesus. Jesus, in his life and ministry, undermined this distinction. He, first and foremost, redefined God's people around not the Torah, but himself. Jesus is the Torah incarnate, the Word made flesh. Thus, zeal for him as a person, faith in him, trust in him, replaced zeal for the Torah as a defining characteristic of God's people. And this led to a redefinition, or at least a new understanding of the concept of neighbor. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. All people are invited to repent, to turn away from sin, to put their faith in Jesus and become a part of God's people. In the actions of becoming man and dying for the sins of the world, Jesus was actively loving everyone. He was seeking everyone's good. Thus, Jesus taught that his followers should likewise seek everyone's good, even those who were formerly defined as enemies and maybe excluded from the requirement of love. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, quote, You have heard that it was said by those of old, You shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the good and on the evil. And he sends his reign to the just and the unjust. Now, we must not confuse in these teachings love with sentimentality. To love is to act for the good of the other. It is not merely to have warm feelings for the other. For example, if we see someone who's doing something wrong, love requires that we reach out to that person and tell them that, that they're doing wrong, if we you know, have the relational position to be able to do that. When we do not confront evil because we are afraid to upset someone or we are afraid ourselves of the confrontation, we do not act with love. 
The gospel question, who is my neighbor, uncovers a different failure. Many people are very hard to love, and loving them is difficult and strenuous work. Consequently, it is easier to exclude ourselves from the requirement of love by developing a rule that provides us with an exception in relation to certain people and certain circumstances. And moreover, we often do not understand God's love for us because we experience it in painful ways. God's love for us requires that he discipline us, as Hebrews says. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate and not sons. The point simply here is that when we talk about love, we're just not talking about warm, fuzzy feelings. We're talking about acting for the good of the other. And God's love for us and our love for others requires effort and action, not mere sentiment. After the lawyer acknowledged that the one who had showed mercy to the half-dead man had fulfilled the duty of a neighbor, Jesus said, go and do likewise. This was Jesus' answer to the question, who is my neighbor? We fulfill the commandment to love our neighbor by loving action. We do not fulfill the commandment to love by excluding people from our love. There is ambiguity here, and that is what makes us uncomfortable. We'd rather have a rule or a list of specific duties that we can perform to fill our duty towards God and towards others or to excuse ourselves from that duty. God wants us, however, to wrestle with day by day how we are supposed to love in action. For love is always relational. We aren't called to debate the idea of loving a neighbor. We are called to love the specific neighbors that we come in contact with each day. To do that, we have to engage the messy work of relationship. We have to uh, get to know them. We have to pray for them. We have to discern what love does or does not look like in relationship to them. And this will require a great deal of effort and it will make us vulnerable. Because if we love another, there's always the possibility that that other will not return the love. Jesus became man to love us as a neighbor. The incarnation is the means by which God, who is separated from us because of sin, comes to dwell near us and indeed within us in order to save us from our sin. In English, the word neighbor means literally the one who is near us. Jesus comes near us particularly in the Blessed Sacrament. And this is our reference point for the command to love our neighbor. 
as Jesus comes to us to be with us in our pain. So we are called to carry the presence of Christ away from the altar as members of his body and be with others in their pain. The experience of love from God gives us the specific vocation to go and love others as God has loved us. To wrestle with what this means day by day is the essence of our vocation. Thus, as Jesus said, go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.